It's time for Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3, brought to you by Liveax Marine, in Isle, Minnesota Resort Sales, Vermal Shoe Store, Randall, Newman Construction, Thielen Meats, and Little Falls, SCR Northern, the guys who answer the phone, Northern Sales and Manufacturing, your Ice Castle dealer in Pine River, Tracker Boating Center of Brainerd, Oars and Mine and Crosby, Pine River State Bank, Bimert Outdoors Archery Pro Shop, Jack Pine Brewery, the official beer of Brainerd Outdoors, Freedom Firearms, The Power Lodge, Chef Robert's Fish Breading Mix, S&W Bait and Tackle, Crow Wing Recycling, Napa Auto Parts in Baxter, Black Bear Lodge and Saloon, Nielsen Hardware and RV, your Central Minnesota Ice Castle dealer, and by Radco, your truck accessory pros. Now, here's your host for Brainerd Outdoors, Brian Moon. Well, another busy week. We've got a lot to cover. Mandy Yurick is going to drop by, talk some post-spawn bass fishing. Full lake reports from Leach, Winnie's, Malax, and a few more. And Brent Beimer with Beimer Outdoors Archery Pro Shop is going to drop by. He's going to talk uh, food plots, some new products out in the game camera industry, and this new electric bike that may help out hunters. All that and more on this week's edition of Brainerd Outdoors. And we'll kick off the show with our lake and field segment brought to you by Oars and Mine in Crosby. No matter if your goal is pike, trout, walleyes, or bass, Oars and Mine gives you 10 different ways to get the bite. The next time you're in the Cuyuna area, Oars and Mine, a must-stop located on Highway 6 in Crosby as we are joined by Mandy Urich in studio. Mandy, welcome back. Thank you. Great to be back. Um, you were in a tournament earlier this week. Did pretty well, actually. Uh, I saw it on Facebook. If you get a chance, follow Mandy on Facebook. You'll learn a lot, see some great photos, but uh, you guys did pretty well. Yeah, it was a, an awesome way to start the season. Um, there's leagues all over in Brainerd if you, if you want to get into fishing, and it's a great way to do it. There's fun leagues, and then there's obviously a little bit more challenging competitive leagues. Um, the one I'd fish a couple of them. The one This one was on Tuesday. It's a multi-species league, so you have to get four bass, three pike and three walleye in three and a half hours. That's challenging. Yeah. I mean, I just, the timeline alone to, to be able to catch all of those species and then be able to catch quality fish at that is daunting, but to throw in, you know, make things even harder this past Tuesday, obviously that big storm rolled through and we were on the water when this storm hit. So like, yeah, it literally, it looked like a thousand sheep on a pasture with all the white caps rolling across the big lake. So Made us change up our, our plans a little bit for, for what we were going to do. I had a big run plan for starting spot, and once we got on the water, just realized that this is not going to happen. So changed it up, ducked into a little area, caught some bass, uh, moved out to Main Lake, and proceeded just waylay on big pike and walleye. It's amazing. And, and the guy you were fishing with is somebody you've kind of mentored through the years here a little bit. Absolutely. I'm going to give a shout-out to Will Carlson. <laughs> this is the fourth season that I fished with Will. He's on the high school team, uh, and he's absolutely just a, a peach like this kid is just a sponge for soaking up fishing knowledge and he's doing super well on the high school side so it's always so fun to have a great experience on the water with him absolutely and i tell you what maybe those that are from not from this area from out of town and they're listening to this are going three species three and a half hours that really is a testament to our lakes here in the area because to be able to produce that and have lakes that have multi-species like that is amazing oh absolutely and to be able to pull almost 31 and a half pounds total <laughs> weight you know in three and a half hours definitely says Brainerd Lakes area we've got top-notch fishing and this might be a silly question how many different lakes do you guys fish throughout the year with this uh, league I believe that we fish 12 okay so very interesting stuff well congratulations great way to start the season thank you uh bass opener was last weekend um did you talk to a lot of people were they out and about people do well 
you know, I, I did. Um, there was a little bit of confusion. Obviously, we went from uh, winter yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with like a week of spring and then summer temps. So it really changed up the philosophy for what we're going to do specifically for bass fishing. Normally, we would have this grace period where bass were going into spawn. You could you know go into these spawning areas and find them. Um, what I found when I was out was, especially on the smaller bodies of water, that there is you know shallow water bays or coves or uh, things that the bass would normally go into spawn. They're done. Like main lake bass, I did catch main lake bass that have not spawned yet, but the water temperature is obviously cooler on main lakes than it is in the smaller bodies of water. So really focusing on those areas to target the post-spawn bass is going to be key. So what I would say, when you're looking at a lake map or you're on the water and you, you know where these little bays are and the water temp's warm and say, oh, that's obviously a bass spawning area, the bass are, are they're moving out of there. So I would target the mouths of those areas, um, specifically if you can find areas that have a, a drop off, like deeper water directly adjacent to those, uh, those smaller uh, bays, that's where those bass are going to be. And even more importantly, they're going to be wherever that vegetation is. So if you can find some good, uh, some good coontail, anything like that, that's starting to come up, that's thicker, denser, those fish are going to be in there. Post spawn can be a little bit tricky because obviously not everything spawns at the same time, but they're slow to to you know to to go into a schooling mode right now. So it's going to be onesie twosies kind of thing, not you know what we're used to in midsummer where those fish are schooled up where you you hit a couple and then you may you know might hit twelve. Mm-hmm. So uh, be patient. And I have baits. Baits are going to be key right now, and so is how you retrieve those baits. I would say for finding fish right now, go with a spinner bait. I mean, it's a super easy bait to throw. I would slow down the retrieve, though. Uh, just make a nice, moderate retrieve. I'd go even maybe with a 6.6 a, a six, six reel, so it's a little bit easier to control the speed on when you're bringing those in. A chatter bait is also a good thing. Same thing, slow retrieve. Uh, if you do want to go to a hard bait, I would suggest like a, a stick bait, like a jerk bait. And there again, it's got that slower tree with a flash. And if you are going to go to a plastic mode, you know, craw tubes, lizards, things like that. There again, finding stumps, finding trees, finding veg, and really keeping it close to those edges or even punching into them is going to be key. A couple of things. Uh, do colors play in this time of year at all? Yeah, absolutely. You know, right now, um, those bass are going to be anywhere from, you know, I would say four to nine feet of water because that's where our vegetation line is going to be. So when you start dealing with a shallower situation, especially in a lot of the lakes that we have, they're so clear. So um, if, if you're shallower, you know, bright days, bright baits, dark days, dark baits. I know it doesn't make any sense, but that's a, a general rule of thumb to, to go by. And water clarity, I mean, do you want, where does that come into as far as whether you're fishing a sand bottom, rocks, mud, anything like that? You know, earlier in the spring, I would say to try to find those areas that we wanted to find with the warmer water because those fish were migrating out of their wintering holes into those uh, warmer bays. Normally, actually, where you'll find the warmer water in clear lakes is actually a dark bottom because it helps draw that sunlight into it. Sand, you will see them up perusing in those shallower waters because that uh, that water is going to be a little bit warmer. And you did mention vegetation uh, with that muggy weather that we had last over last weekend i would imagine we're starting to see a lot of stuff green up on the lakes too huh absolutely i'm surprised the amount of pop that we've had just in the last seven to ten days which is good i mean that's great because especially in clear water remember we go back to 
bass fish in general they don't have eyelids they can't throw in a shape you know paracostas so bright light in clear water you know it hurts their eyes so they've got to find cover so they're going to go to that vegetation and, and duck in there especially on the bright bright high sun days you know and then bass fishing in general mandy um you know we brought you on last year and i think we talked more bass fishing last year with not only you but some of the, your colleagues and stuff than we ever have and I've noticed with anglers, bass fishing is getting more and more popular. Are you seeing more and more boats out since uh, the bass opener this year? Were you surprised that there weren't as many out there? No, I have seen. It's it's amazing. Like I ran out to, to pre-fish and, and check some spots and even over the holiday weekend. And I'm, I'm looking around and I was like, boy, there's a lot of bass boats out here. <laughs> I mean, you don't, you don't have to have a bass boat to fish bass, you know, particularly. But I definitely was noticing there is a lot more. And even I go into areas and there's a lot of people obviously fishing bass. So you can tell by where they're fishing and what they're fishing. So it's really exciting to see it grow. Yeah. And obviously, as we said in the open, uh, we're pretty much into summer now, although it's not officially, but uh, Memorial Day, usually the unofficial kickoff to summer, which means busy, busy, busy here in the Lakes area. A lot going on just next week in general. Oh, my goodness. Events, events, events. Uh, For me personally, I'm heading out. We've got the lawn shoot coming up, so all the elite lawn pro staff from North America are converging on the Brainerd Lakes area. So Mm -hmm. if you you see a a lot of lawn stickers and a lot of nice shiny lawn boats, uh, that's what's going on there. Also, the the Trolling for Troops event is going on, so that's exciting down at camp where they take 100 vets out fishing, which is just an awesome program. We've got Camp Confidence coming up. We've got the Teen Challenge coming enough i mean there's a lot of those specialty events and especially for people like me and our, our our other speakers i look forward to these so much that opportunity to to donate my time to give back to get these people out on the water that otherwise wouldn't have that opportunity is is really cool and a big uh, tournament in cross lake too you're going to be taking part in that yes absolutely <laughs> i look forward to this cross lake event every year because it is the largest multi-species tournament in minnesota so we've got 100 plus boats that are going to be converging on the whitefish chain for Hopefully what turns out to be a heck of a day. That is next weekend, right? Yep, absolutely. So you can check that out. Mandy Urich, she joins us uh, maybe not every week. We try to get her on as much as we can throughout the summer. But if you want to check Mandy out, as I said, follow her on social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. (laughs) Absolutely. You're you're all over the place. (laughs) Any other places they can find you? Well, they can actually start tuning in on Thursday nights to Lakeland News, and they can see me and Ray uh, every Thursday at 10 o'clock, right after the sports, for our little TV segment called Fishing Tips. There you go. We're going to talk to Ray a little bit later on in the show, see what's happening up on Leech Lake. Uh, Mandy, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us, and uh, good luck out on the water. We'll talk to you soon. Awesome. Sounds great. All right. When we come back, Ray Gildow's got the latest on the immediate Brainerd Lakes area. Winnie and Leach and Steve Sapaniak is out on Malax. We'll get the latest when we come back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. We head up to Leach Lake and bring in uh, Ray Gildow with the Nisswa Guides League. And Ray, of course, uh, keeping a very close eye on Leach and also keeping a very close eye on Winnie, Ray. I miss, Maybe we'll start there. Uh, you had a pretty good report last week when, when you talked to the people at High Banks uh, last week. Uh, how about this past week? Yeah, with Kim and Rich up there, it's been very, very good fishing, and it hasn't slowed down a lot. It's still doing really well. The customers were all saying, wow, this is like coming up here in July. 90-degree temperatures, not quite 90 there, but you know, 87, 88-degree temperatures, very, very warm. Water temperatures jumped 15 to 20 degrees, surface temperature and uh, the bite is kind of transitioning now, both on Leech and on Winnie, uh, from jigs and minnows to starting. People are starting to get them on crawlers and leeches, 
and, and I should say you never have to get rid of leeches or uh, jigs and minnows. Um, you, for many, many, many years, there was three launch services that ran out of Federal Dam up on Leech Lake, and they never did anything all year except jigs and minnows. And when the bite was on, they would do very well. So you can always get them on jigs and minnows, but I think right now uh, some of the better production has been coming off of people running Lindy rigs with crawlers and with leeches. And um, I talked to Kim uh, today, and she said that the uh, the bite during the day has been pretty decent, and it's been a, a better at night. But in the daytime, they've been using crawlers and leeches, and still some people are jigging with shiners. And working the points, shoreline breaks, uh, that's probably been the best from 8 to 12, 13 feet of water. And then in the evenings, they've been going in uh, with tro- trolling motors and pulling crankbaits in 6 to 7 feet of water and have been doing really well. There's, a, I think, a pretty good population of fish that you can keep. So I would say right now Winnie is a really a good choice if you want to go and get some keepers and keep them. Uh, the report I got this week from Red Lake was that that has slowed down a bit up there. Um, I don't know if it was because it got so hot and sort of, and we had some days that were pretty still, and so many of those fish are coming out of four or five, six feet of water. That kind of makes it tough there. But the Red Lake bite has slowed down, but Winnie has been very good. Then jumping over to Leech Lake, uh, it's a mixed bag there. Um, I have some friends uh, on the east side who know the lake like the backs of their hands, and they've been fishing the classic places, Five Mile Point, Sugar Point, the north end of Bear Island, the Sheep's Pasture. People that are familiar with that area know that area. A uh, little stony. It's been a tough bite. People are catching only one or two fish. Um, and then over on the west side, the little hardwood area, the big hardwood area, first and second duck, those areas have been tough also. There have been some fish coming off of Pine Point, and there have been some fish coming out of Trapper's Bay, uh, and they have been slot fish. They've been fish that people can keep. And some of the reports that I heard this week uh, of bigger fish being caught have been caught east of Goose Island, and there are guys that are fishing them a little deeper, which is um, probably not the best for these fish because they're almost all too big. Uh, they're all 21, 22, 23-inch fish. Uh, I know that's a lot of fun to catch them, but these are post-spawn females. And when you're catching them in that deeper water this time of the year, it's kind of hard on them. They are catching them on jigs and on, uh, shiners, and uh, so that's been pretty decent there. But it's, it is really a truly a mixed bag. There are people that have been gone out for the morning and never caught a fish, and then people go out in some of these different areas and have done very well. And there's been a very good crappie bite. Um, Leech Lake is full of a lot of areas. If you go into Sucker Bay or if you go up into Portage Bay or if you're in Steamboat Bay, and if you can see weeds, uh, I shouldn't call them that because Mandy will chew me out, (laughs) they're uh, vegetation. Right. If you find that vegetation, a lot of times you can see these crappies down there. And if you've never caught crappies on Leech Lake, they're absolutely gorgeous. They're just almost black. Beautiful, beautiful fish. So the the panfish bite, the crappie bite's been pretty pretty steady across the lake. Uh, the walleye bite is still you really got to work for them. Uh, and I would say on leech, though, as as with Winnie, um, you're start, probably going to start having a little better luck now if you start long lining crawlers and long lining leeches. Personally, I like to use a hook with a small little orange bead in front of it, and I like to get uh, if there's not a wind and you can't do the drift. I like to get that back 125 feet 
just because the water clarity and all of these lakes, because of zebra mussels, is getting so clear. Uh, it's just nothing to see 15, 20 feet down in most of these lakes now. As I mentioned earlier, uh, Winnie, the depth, the clarity is 22 feet. You can see on the bottom in 22 feet of water. And it wasn't that long ago the uh, Suchi disc was probably 9 to 10 feet. So those zebra mussels are making a big difference there. But it hasn't been hurting the, the, the catching, at least on Winnie. And I think one of the other factors that are making it tough on leech, uh, and we talked about this last fall, but there's a very good population of perch, Last year, a real good hatch and a really, really good hatch of young walleyes last year. And for four or five years, there's not been any tulipy kill-offs on Leech Lake. And so there's lots of tulipies. And so there's a lot of bait fish in the lake. And uh, we've had periods like that, too, on Mille Lacs, where people are thinking, well, the fish are gone. There's nothing here. They just had a phenomenal year of lots of food available. And when they thin that down, then the following year or two, boom fishing's great again. So it's just hard to say. But don't not go because you heard that it wasn't biting or they aren't biting because it's been off and on. And I think if you got a wind right now with the water temperature warming up like it is, uh, you can still hit them. So get out there and try it. Have you heard anything here uh, locally, uh, Ray, the immediate Brainerd Lakes area, Gull, uh, Long Lake, Round, anything like that? Yep. Um, on, uh, well, there was a bite on round uh, a week ago for just a couple of days, and that's kind of quit. And then there's been uh, some folks have been getting some fish on the big part of Round Lake or North Long Lake uh, out in the big water. Um, in fact, I just talked to one of my friends this morning. We've got a limit out there with his five-year-old grandson and uh, in about 12 feet of water. And so there, there has been a bite off and on on uh, North Long and Gall Lake, what I hear for the most part on Gull Lake, and, and I am fishing it this weekend, but I'm, I'm bass fishing this weekend, uh, the walleye bite there has been really, really tough, and um, I, I'm not really sure why. One of my theories is when we got invasive species in Gull and Round and North Long, uh, the trappers were no longer able to come in and trap the, the shiners out of those lakes. We have phenomenal populations of shiner minnows in all of our area lakes. And I just think there's so much feed in these lakes right now that's just making it more challenging. Um, in the evenings, there are guys that are still going out on, on gull, pulling crankbaits, uh, shallow water, six, seven, eight feet of water, and they're picking up two or three. Um, you know, there's not a slot on gull, so you can keep one over 20 each person uh, each day. Um, but I, I just haven't heard of too many reports of people pulling in good stringers full of fish. So there you go. Good stuff from Ray Gildow at the Nisswa Guides League. You can check him out at raygildow.com and as well as on all social media, too. Ray, I appreciate the update. As always, bud, we'll check in next week, okay? Sounds good. Thank you, Brian. Let's head out to Mille Lacs, get the report out there with Steve Sapaniak, Predator Guide Service. Get a first-hand report. Steve's out on the water as we speak, chasing some sunnies around. It's been fun. Yeah, I'm with a couple of good friends. You know, we've, we've hit a couple of different lakes today. We pick up some nice ones here. Then the wind picks up and kicks us off our area. So we go to another lake and same thing, pick up a few nice ones and get kicked off again with the wind. But the action has been improving. What, what amazes me is the water temperature 
is in the lower 70s, and these fish are still in the shallows, and, you know, they're not spawned out, or, or not, you know, not in the lakes we've been on, but they're going darn good, you know, and that kind of warm water. It's just a goofy spring, a goofy summer, and things are uh, things are going good. I can't complain. Yeah, I think they're just as much in shock as we are. I mean, we went from having snow on the ground to 85-degree temps in a matter of 10 days, you know, <laughs> so it's got to yeah, shock them as much as us. I believe so. It's been an incredible, uh, this is an incredible spring. The action on Malax Lake is doing good, I like to say. Things have picked up really well there, Brian. There's a lot of fish being caught. A lot of people are having fun. So, you know, with this nice weather, why not enjoy it? You know, last week we talked and we both saw it firsthand, Steve. There was a ton of boats up on that northeast end of Malax in the sand. Uh, are they still going up there or are they, uh, some of those fish migrated somewhere else now? The action is still going strong up on the northeast corner. Bobber bite. Uh, Brian and also Lindy rigging with leeches. You know that's been doing real well. I love both of them. You can't get away. You know it's hard to beat them both. Uh, but the walleye action is, is actually picked up all over the area, north, south, east, and west. You're finding a lot of good people are out there catching a lot of nice sized walleyes. You know a lot of walleyes up to 28, 29 inches, the big ones. We always knew Malax has an overabundance of big ones. And they're catching the smaller ones too right now. So yeah, the action's been good anywhere you want to go. Same with the smallmouth bass. They've been going gangbusters here the last few days and it's been fun and uh, anybody picking up some big pike out there you know there's a few big pike to be caught there's a few you know uh, you got guys who are trolling walk on bay with cane poles and spoons that's always fun to watch you got guys doing the same thing over there in cold bay as well as those casting right now casting spinner baits the small crank baits has been producing real well for the northern pike don't be afraid to soak a sucker minnow neither this time of year sucker minnows a live bait is always a you know a good presentation for those big toothy critters and what about the crappies out there Crappies, you know, they're going, but it's been slow. I don't know what happened. I don't think we're going to have the big action we thought we would. You know, you get a flurry here, a flurry there, Brian, and that's about it. They seem to uh, peter out, you know, just as fast as they bite. So I think we're not going to see a good anything action for crappies until uh, the winter comes again, or late fall. And one last thing, Steve, with this topsy-turvy weather and goofy spring that we've had uh, that you talked about in the open, how do you think that's going to play out as we get closer to the musky opener? You know, I know for a fact the muskies, we got a lot of them in the shallows right now. They're in there setting themselves, you know, done with the spawn and everything. Uh, a lot of them have moved out of the shallows, too. So it's going to be interesting, Brian. I'm getting prepared. We're going to be using uh, shallow water tactics, crankbaits, spinnerbaits, you know, maybe uh, like the baby beaver has been good to us. It's a fantastic lure. Also, I'm going to get ready with uh, deep diving crankbaits, go hit the main basin, troll around the um, outer edge of the rock piles and the points of the rock piles, look for schools of ciscos and tulipi and truth, troll through them. You're going to have the muskies in there also. So I think we're going to be, we're going to be doing both situations, and I hope it works all well. Yeah, it's interesting because the last couple of years, usually we don't get into talking muskies, you know, per se until you get into August and September and even early October. The muskie opener the last couple of years, Steve, has been pretty good. You know, it's been some of the best I've seen in the last four or five years. It's hard to beat. You know, what was it, two years ago or more? Uh, I had a couple of gentlemen, father and son team, in two, three days, we had 56 follows, 12 muskies hooked, and six boated, all within uh, eight feet of water and less, the majority of them in five feet of water and less. So it's fun. It's a good visual bite, too. It's a blast. There you go. Steve Sapaniak, Predator Guide Service. You can check him out at PredatorGuideService.com. I appreciate the info, bud. Good luck out on the water, and we'll check in uh, next week. My pleasure, Brian. Thank you. All right, when we come back, we'll switch gears, talk a little hunting. Brent Beimert with Beimert Outdoors Archery Pro Shop will drop by. We'll talk food plots. 
some new game camera gadgets that are out on the market, and this electric bike that could really help out hunters when we come back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. And we've been talking a lot of fishing, obviously, on the show here since opener. And uh, I thought this time around maybe we'd switch gears a little bit and talk a little hunting. We bring in Brent Beimer at Beimer Outdoors Archery Pro Shop. Brent, you've been a busy guy here since, uh, well, really since winter. Yeah, yeah, we went from winter to summer. Uh, <laughs> beginning of the month, we had ice on the water. And, boy, if we went to have those 80-degree days before fishing opener, I think we would have still had some ice around, but it got hot before the fishing opener and opened up most of the lakes. But we also store boats and everything, so we've gotten pretty much all of the boats out in about three weeks, and it just went crazy for a while there. So I wasn't able to be in the shop too much. We were just doing boats. And you said you didn't even get to go turkey hunting this spring. I didn't get to go turkey hunting, which is, I think this is the first time I haven't turkey hunted since we had the seasons around here. Just so busy. I did, however, get some ground turned and starting to get my food plot stuff ready. I did want to talk a lot of food plot stuff with you, Brent. First off, as you mentioned in the open, we went from winter to summer. So the ground, for a lot of people, I was talking with them about three, four weeks ago, they said they didn't think they'd be able to get anything in until June. I have talked to some people that here in the last couple of weeks have turned some ground and put some stuff in, but uh, what are you seeing? I mean, are, are we at uh, premium prime time for uh, putting a food plot in? Yeah, you know, the ground temp, like I say, at the beginning of the month, we're still froze up. Usually that takes a while to get your ground temps up and everything, but we've had this extremely hot weather um, for May, and the ground temp come up fast. Um, so we're not far behind. We're not as far behind as the, the spring was. We really didn't have a spring, but um, yeah, I mean, it's time. I got my ground turned. Uh, the temps are up. Farmers, you know, I always watch the farmers in the fields, and when they start planting, that's when I usually start to uh, try to as well. Uh, they pay more attention to it and, and, uh, and stuff. So all of our fields around us, uh, the farmers have got their food plot, or I mean their, uh, their crops in, and so I started on my food plot. So it's time. Yeah, and one of the things that you like to put in, Brent, and you you keep it in stock, and, and it's very popular, is uh, frigid forage. Yep, we go through a lot of frigid forage here at our shop. Everybody that has planted it seems to have great success with it. And, um, you know, it's they just got a good blend. They got a northern seed origin, and they got some really nice blends. Like in the Monster Magnet, for instance, that's a spring planting. It's got spring peas, soybeans, sunflowers, turnips, radishes, sugar beets. Got the whole gamut, you know. So the deer are in it early, and they eat it into the late. So it's a really nice food plot. puts out a lot of tonnage. This one is a pretty much a strictly spring planting. You can um, you can plant it a little bit later into June. Um, you know, you just won't get as big a turnips and in uh, radishes and things like that. But sometimes that's not all bad, you know. Sometimes when you put in a radish plot or a turnip plot. They get so big that deer can't actually pull them out of the ground. They actually like them a little bit smaller, like the radishes, for instance. They like those the size of a, oh, a carrot. They can pop that out of the ground and eat the whole thing. Turnips, if you keep them to a, oh, a tennis ball size, they're easier to get out of the ground. When they start getting up softball and bigger, they can't pull them out of the ground so they don't get to eat them. The only thing good, though, is you get bigger tops off of that bit. So that's one thing. The other thing, then, we've talked about this a few times on the show, uh, is the plot screen, Brent. And for those that aren't familiar with it, this is a pretty neat concept. Yeah, the plot screen is a, it's, it's not actually a food plot. What it does is it builds a big screen. It's got some uh, Egyptian, Egyptian wheat, sorghum, 
uh, it's got stuff that'll grow up to 10, 12 feet tall in it. And you plant it anywhere from 8 to 16 feet wide. And if you don't want your neighbors to see into your plot screen, they can't. And what's what works the best is the deer can't see out it. They have that security when you put this plot screen fence all the way around them. They feel a lot safer. They come out a little bit earlier in the daylight. Um, and it just it gives them security where they're not seeing. Maybe you, maybe you buy a highway or, or something of that sort. And, and me... I use it also. One of my favorite stands is in my bigger field. There's only one way in and one way out. And to get out in the evening, I'm blowing a lot of deer out of it. Well, I go from the wood line. I go out about 10 feet. I put that plot screen in. It gives me a great big fence to walk alongside. I can sneak in and out of that field and not disturb an animal if the wind is correct. So it's it's really a cool, um, unique um food plot. Uh, you know, I have a hard time saying food plot because deer actually don't eat it. Um, it. It is to for security for the deer and for you to get in and out of the woods nice and easy. It's a natural screen, essentially. Yes, sir. You know, some guys will use corn, too. You know, they kind of do that with corn, but this grows thicker and taller than corn, and then the deer aren't right up in eating the corn or this plot screen. They're not eating this plot screen while you're trying to sneak in and around it. So it works really good that way. It does uh, benefit a lot of birds and different things like that. The birds will start to, um, you know, get into the seeds and the sorghum and different things. And, and uh, I mean, you can make some really good bedding out of this, too, if you wanted to make a whole. If you didn't have good bedding in your in your woods, you could do a, a half acre of plot screen and create bedding with it. It'll grow up to 12 feet tall. Wow. Um, yeah, you know, you pour the nitrogen to it. And, of course, that's with good rains and stuff. And one last thing on the food plots, Brent. Maybe somebody's listening to this and they've never tried it before, uh, and maybe they're on somewhat of a limited budget. Um, is there just something very simple you can put in the ground that can attract deer? Yeah, depend upon the size. I mean, they can spend 20 bucks, 30 bucks, 40 bucks. You don't have to spend a ton of money. You know, later in the year, and we'll talk about this coming up, but I'll just mention it real quick. One of my favorites is Buck Forage Oats. It is easy to plant. You turn the ground black. You pour it. You put it in the ground. Um, it costs forty bucks. You really don't need to, um, you know, pour a bunch of fertilizer to it or anything else. It's and it's it's a great attractant from September through uh, December. I mean, it's that's one of my favorites. And but we don't plant that till mid August to September. So. We won't talk about it too much, but it is a great one. That's something to think about then further on down the line. Uh, so there we go on the food plot end of things. Now, once you get your plot up the way you want it, the next thing, Brent, is to put up some cameras uh, so you know what's in your woods, how they're using your food plot, start to pattern the deer a little bit. Cuddyback's got a pretty interesting new concept with their cameras out now. Yeah, they got a new camera. It's called a Cuddy Link system. You can link up to 15 cameras. It's not on a cell phone uh, frequency or anything like that. You have one base home camera that you set up, um, which could be right outside your front door of your house. It could be the closest to the road on your hunting property, but you can link up to 15 cameras and they'll link to one another until they get to your home base. You pull one chip and you view all 15 cameras without putting any odor, bumping any deer, or doing anything at all in your woods. It, and to me, it's just a great system. 
And I would imagine that basically, say you wanted to put uh, 10 cameras on an 80-acre plot that you have, you just basically would probably map out which one, you know, which cameras where, and then once you go to look, you can tell exactly where those deer are. And like you said, you don't have to put any scent in your woods. Yes, that's the that's the biggest uh, uh, benefit from these cameras is you are not walking through the woods. You're not leaving scent behind. Um, your cameras are there for the whole hunting season or even prior. Um, you're not bumping a deer when you go, you know, sometimes it's hard to get a camera back into the bedding area. You don't want to go in and out of it. Well, you can put one back there, and you don't have to go back there all year. Put a big camera chip in it. You're viewing it off of another camera. Um, you don't have to touch it. My cameras are, uh, my home camera is closest to my, in my first food plot. I walk into the woods about 75 yards, and I have it. It's, I got all cameras right there. Pretty amazing stuff, so uh, check that out. Uh, one last thing, Brent. Uh, you actually had this at our Everything Expo when you were out there and, and we were out there here earlier this spring. This electric bike that you guys have at Bimert Outdoors, uh, I know we don't talk a lot of biking here on the show, but... Yeah, for hunting and not having the, again, odor walking through the woods, the human footstep that a deer is afraid of and, you know, can hear. Um, we have an electric bike. It's called a fat tire electric bike. It's got, you know, force fat tires on it. You don't have to spin a pedal. You can go up to 20 miles without spinning a pedal. Um, you can actually ride these things right by deer. They don't hear that footstep. They don't really view it as human because it's a little bigger and bulkier. And you can go a lot further. You can go further than the guy that has to walk in. He only walks so far. Well, you just ride on by him, you know, and, and go set up your deer stand or, or whichever. You can get further in the woods. Um, they're just so slick and easy that it's, it, you know, you don't get sweated up. There's, I mean, there's a ton of benefits with electric bike. Um, when it comes to hunting in the woods. Um, in Illinois, for instance, where I walk down there, I have a over a half-mile walk. Well, I usually do it in just my face layers and try not to get sweated up, but sometimes it's too warm. Well, now with the pedal bike, I don't have to get sweated up at all. I'll jump on the bike, take off, go to back my back stand, and, and uh, it'll be slick. I just can't wait to use it. Well, and I saw the one that you had out at the Expo, that had mounts for your bow and everything right there on it. Yeah, it's got a bow rack. It's got a rear rack to put some stuff in. Um, it even comes, you know, if you want a fishing rod holder in it, we got a fishing rod holder that mounts on it. There's a gun rack for the front of it. It does have a, a little LED light on it. Um, unique thing about this bike is it has what's called pedal assist also. So if you're going up a hill and you just shift your gears down to your lowest speed and to pedal up a hill is nothing. You, you barely breathing hard at the top of the hill where uh, on a regular bike, some hills, you know, you might not even be able to make it. Uh, this one, it just makes things way easier to get further in the woods. And, I mean, they're super, super slick. 20 miles on one charge, huh? Yep, and by all federal guidelines, it's still a bicycle, so it's got to stay under 20 miles an hour. The battery watts have to stay under 1,000. So anywhere a pedal bike is legal this bike is legal as well and uh, it's not considered a motorized vehicle because of where the watts are and how fast it goes so um, anybody wants to check them out stop out test ride one we got a demo bike out there Um, I haven't seen anybody that hasn't gotten on it and put a big smile on their face they're fun to ride 
So check that out, an electric bike for hunting. That's amazing. Where we're we, where we going with technology? It's Brent Beimerd, Beimerd Outdoors Archery Pro Shop, just west of Brainerd Baxter on Highway 210. Brent, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. It's nice to talk a little hunting, kind of a break in the fishing here for a little bit, and uh, we'll talk to you here down the line, okay? Sounds good. Thanks, Brian. More of Brainerd Outdoors after this on B93.3. Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. This time around, our famish fisherman recipe, as always, Chef Joel, Black Bear Lodge and Saloon joins us. Great crappie recipe this week, Joel. We got crappies and a green peppercorn sauce. So we're going to take up some uh, nice nice crappies. We're going to dice them up into just chunks, you know, skin them off and get nice little chunks out of them. Taste some diced shallots and some butter. Get that going in a pan. You know, throw everything in there, your shallots and your crappie. Grate a little lemon zest over top, squeeze some lemon juice in there, hit it with some white wine, and uh, add the green peppercorns. Let it cook for just a couple of, couple of minutes. You don't want to overcook your fish or none of that, but that's all there is to it. Question for you with the wine. When when you cook with, is it something that if you, if you like to drink it, you like to cook with it? Is yeah. that kind of how you look at things? When you say a white wine, would you go with a Pinot Grigio or maybe a Chardonnay? Uh, generally, I use a Chardonnay. Do you? Um, that's just kind of what we have in the kitchen, I guess, most of the time. But whatever you like to drink, whatever you have is kind of, you know, you don't want to go out and buy something that you're only going to use once. You know, you and I, we I think a couple of weeks ago we had a beer batter recipe on, and you would use Jack Pine uh, beer. And you and I had, had asked you, you know, what kind of beer would not work for something like that. And you said, basically, if you like it, use it. Yeah. And that's what I've heard with cooking with wine, that's too. That's good it's, advice. Yeah. So if you like it, use it. There you go. Well, if you want to give this recipe a try and a ton of other ones, simply uh, log on to BrainerdOutdoorsRadio.com. Click on the Recipes tab. we got this one and a ton of others for you to check out. And Chef Joel, Black Bear Lodge and Saloon, as always, Joel, thanks. Thank you, Brian. And that'll put a wrap on this week's show. Don't forget, you can catch Brainerd Outdoors just after 7, Saturday mornings, Sunday evenings at 7, Monday mornings at 5. You can stream it live if you're out of town or away from your radio, BrainerdOutdoorsRadio.com. Just click on the Listen Live tab. And we are all over the podcast world, iTunes, Podcast One, Apple Podcast, wherever you download podcasts. Check out Brainerd Outdoors. Subscribe. Tell your friends. We'd appreciate it if you gave us a great rating. And don't forget to give us a like on Facebook as well. We'll see you next weekend for another edition of Brainerd Outdoors. I'm Brian Moon. Brainerd Outdoors has been brought to you by Vermal Shoe Store, Randall, Newman Construction, Thielen Meats, and Little Falls, SCR Northern, the guys who answer the phone, Northern Sales and Manufacturing, your ice castle dealer in Pine River, Tracker Boating Center of Brainerd, Oars and Mine and Crosby, Pine River State Bank, Brainerd Outdoors Archery Pro Shop, Jack Pine Brewery, the official beer of Brainerd Outdoors, Freedom Firearms, The Power Lodge, Chef Robert's Fish Breading Mix, s and W Bait and Tackle, Crow Wing Recycling, Napa Auto Parts in Baxter, Black Bear Lodge and Saloon, Nielsen Hardware and RV, your Central Minnesota Ice Castle dealer, and by Radco, your truck accessory pros. Join Brian Moon just after 7 Saturday mornings, Sunday evening at 7, and Monday mornings at 5 for another edition of Brainerd Outdoors right here on B93.3.